Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching Badass Rockabilly Track. Now sending Rescue Squadron across planet Hoth. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, we're coming live from Hoth, where I just bailed Wampa and stuffed Christian in the stomach of a Tauntaun just to guarantee you your weekly fix of nerdum. This week, we're reviewing the A24 horror film St. Maud, and we're also breaking down the latest episode of WandaVision. All that plus, we're going to be talking the NXT TakeOver show, Vengeance Day. We're also going to be talking Nintendo Direct on Christian's Corner. All right, but before we move on... Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up, Captain Marvel 2 has casted its main villain. So Deadline is reporting that Zahi Ashton is set to play the main villain in the upcoming sequel. Uh, We have no idea who she might be playing as of yet. Uh, And we know very little about the film except it's being directed by Nia DaCosta, uh, who's also directing Jordan Peele's Candyman due out later this year. Also, the characters of Monica Rambeau and the newly casted Miss Marvel will be making an appearance. So as far as Ashton goes, um, some are speculating that she might be playing the Scroll Queen who disguised herself as Spider-Woman and infiltrated the Avengers in the uh, Secret Invasion story arc. There's also some people People guessing that she might be Moonstone, who's one of uh, Captain Marvel's arch enemies. Uh, people are also speculating that she could be Rogue, for that matter, who put Carol in a coma for a long period of time. And hell, if they go that route, she could be Mystique, who was a big part of that storyline, since she's Rogue's foster mother. But only time will tell. Uh, Christian, who would you like to see be the big bad in Captain Marvel 2? You know, Damon, I haven't actually, like, I don't know too much about her Rogue's gallery, and per- like, personally. Um, but I imagine it would be either someone high up in the scrolls or someone maybe Kree you know something at least something powerful enough to fight her you know I would hope at least something a little bit closer to her level especially since like the last time we saw her no one could really take her on yeah it definitely feels like it's got to be someone like at her like caliber power level wise um to go toe-to-toe with her um you know I mean it could possibly be, you know, like a cosmic being or, you know, possibly like, you know, everyone's speculating the, the uh, Scroll Queen. 
Um, I guess they don't have to necessarily do the whole angle with, you know, her being Spider-Woman first and everything like that. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that in one movie. Um, that storyline was like a year long uh, when they did that big reveal. Uh, so, but yeah. And the whole Rogue thing just feels like too much of a deep dive. Especially if at that point they haven't introduced the X-Men yet. Um, it's a great storyline. I wouldn't mind to see it like play out like cinematically, but... I don't know. It just feels like something that would have to take place like in a series or like throughout like multiple movies. So, um, you know, Cree or Scroll feels like a safe bet. You know, maybe some kind of Cree yeah. ro- royalty or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Sony was going to make a Spider-Woman movie though, right? Yes. Yes, that's been rumored. You're correct. So, that would be crazy. I mean, if they wanted to do this across multiple, you know, things, shows and movies, but I, I doubt, you know, I doubt they're, you know, trusting Sony yeah. that much. But <laughs> we do know that there's a Secret Invasion, like, you know, Disney Plus show coming, yes. I believe, starring Sam Jackson. I think that's what was announced. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that ties directly into Captain Marvel 2. We'll see. All right. Well, moving on to some Star Wars. We got a Star Wars cinematic update. All right. So Ryan Johnson has confirmed that his trilogy is still in the works, but there's no clear timeline for when it's going to start production currently. Um, People were speculating recently during Disney's Investors Day that the project had been scrapped, but apparently that's not so. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan of The Last Jedi, especially the whole Luke storyline, but Johnson is a talented director, and I wouldn't mind seeing what he could pull off if he's allowed to do something like completely original on his own. Christian, thoughts? Um, You know, out of the three that came out of the new sequel trilogy, I did enjoy The Last Jedi the most personally. That was just me. Um, I, I would like to see more from Ryan Johnson, but at the same time, I already can already see the pitchforks and people riding exactly (laughs) the torches uh people just wanting to not have anything to do with ryan johnson going forward and i'm actually surprised that disney doesn't want to just wash their hands of anything that they've had previously even with directors now i i thought you know the you know the last jedi was one of the most beautifully shot star wars films i've ever seen so you know it's i i would like to see more Maybe something of the old Republic style. Who knows? That's just me. Just throwing that out there. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. What I'm wondering comes. if he goes like High Republic with them doing this new like book line with about, all about this like unexplored era, you know, in the Star Wars, you know, universe uh, with High Republic. Um, could we possibly be getting something cinematic from Ryan Johnson, you know, exploring that era further? Um, I mean, I, I see no reason why they wouldn't do it. Um, but there's just nothing about that time period that has excited me or interested me yet. So I'm not clamoring for it, but maybe, you know, with the right director, with the right writing team, you know, I could get into it. I mean, they were planning on doing something, I remember, with, uh, you know, the, the Return of the Sith pretty much mm-hmm. during that time period. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see the rise of the Sith then. Maybe that book series takes you up to that point and then you get the trilogy from Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good marketing. If you think about that, you know, you whet everyone's appetite, you know, with the book line and then, you know, let Ryan Johnson hit it out of the park. I think out of a new trilogy, I would like to see something along the lines. And the reason I think I bring up the Old Republic so much is because I'd like to see a character along the lines of a like Darth Revan, someone that really does dance both sides i mean i know we've gotten anakin but we knew where that storyline was going and then ray kind of like with the last jedi it seemed like they were really teasing both sides and you know clearly we saw that in you know rise of skywalker why it was like that but um 
I, I really think it'd be cool to see a character that's really, you know, delves deep into the rise of the Sith and, you know, is part of the light and see where the, all that came from, you know, how the Sith kind of really came back. I'd love to see that. I mean, that, that sounds awesome, you know, but I, I'm sure people will be <laughs> waiting for him to fuck it up. Also. Yes. So <laughs> I feel like the High Republic, you know, storyline will be a safer you know, choice for him. Yes. Um, since it's just, like I said, unexplored territory um, where no one's like truly invested yet in those characters. And maybe at that point with the book series, people will be like crazy about those characters. I don't know. But um, I don't know. Only time will tell, really, I guess. Angsty evil Yoda. There you go. <laughs> Ruined it. Oh, like a young, like hotshot Yoda who doesn't uh-huh. listen to his master. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'd be down with that. All right, up next, we're getting a Netflix series for Wednesday Adams, directed by Tim Burton. All right, uh, this series will be titled Wednesday and will be a spooky coming-of-age story with an eight-episode first season. Uh, the synopsis reads, Wednesday attempts to master her emerging psychic abilities to throw out a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town and to also solve a supernatural mystery that involved her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships. Alfred Gould and Miles Miller will be writing and showrunning the Netflix series. Hey, this I mean, this really sounds cool, just as long as it doesn't turn into, like, you know, one of those teen dramas. <laughs> like, I enjoyed the Sabrina series that they did on Netflix for a little while, but at a certain point, you could really, you know, tell that they didn't have any directions and they were just trying to make it as dramatic as possible and while they can't go too far with the character that's funny the synopsis actually reminds me of the sabrina show though (laughs) or even like something like buffy the vampire Uh slayer-esque so but i mean i don't know it sounds pretty cool i'll check it out no yeah i I expect like tim Burton to make it something super whimsical and fun especially when it's wednesday yeah everyone loves wednesday so it it just makes sense exactly all right up next it looks like jj abrams will be producing a constantine series for hbo max so this will be produced by J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Production Company. According to Deadline, this new take on Constantine will be a darker-than-previous version of the character, with the star being described as a young Londoner. Another change is Constantine will be cast as a diverse lead. Uh, Guy Bolton will pen the script, and the writer's room will be assembled for March. Uh, Constantine will join Abrams' Justice League Dark series on HBO Max. I know we heard a while back that there were rumors of a film being produced also and bringing back Keanu Reeves to star uh, but there is no word currently if that's still in the works or if it was ever in the works if it was just another crazy fucking rumor involving Keanu Reeves because I feel like we get one of those every week now I hear what you're saying Damon but they do kind of leave like they kind of left this like thing open where they're like hey we can have multiple projects with multiple of the same characters and stuff like that out there in our universe so maybe DC is willing to do two different Constantine series, especially if they can get, you know, Keanu Reeves back into their hands. I could totally see Warner Brothers wanting to use him more in their type of stuff. I just feel like he's attached to, like, literally every fucking rumor right uh-huh. now <laughs> for every upcoming comic book film or, you know, series. So hmm. I'm just waiting for them to do, like, a retraction and say, no, that's not happening. But that rumor actually was from a while back. So, and like hmm. I said, it was just a rumor. So I, that could have just been nothing. 
or just people getting whim of this story and you know kind of you know speculating on their exactly. own i mean as far as constantine goes i think the only thing i'm really looking for him to be in at this point is a justice league dark if we can ever get to that point with uh justice league so i, I i'd be i interested. would definitely think that he would be part of justice league dark right like mm -hmm. he's a, a big character you know in that book so so I'm guessing it's going to be like, you know, he's part of the team and like have his own solo series. Maybe not like in the first season. Maybe he joins, you know, in his series. Um, now I'm yeah. just pulling shit out of my ass, but <laughs> maybe he joins like, you know, during his first season. And then, you know, in the second season of the show, he, you know, is now part of the team and everything. Or he's introduced in the first season of Justice League Dark. I don't know. I'm just making shit up now. <laughs> like everyone else does. <laughs> They'll have to pay you if they take uh, your ideas. No, they don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've got interns who just, like, scour the internet looking for ideas. Oh, yeah. So. All right, we had a couple big trailers come out this week. First up, we're going to talk Zack Snyder's Justice League. We live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Isn't that right? Batman. Christian, we live in a society where we're doomed to watch the same trailer over and over and over again for three years. <laughs> You're damn right. I mean, this was the most Zack Snyder trailer that's ever Zack Snydered, if you ask me, if that makes any sense. Um, but I, I, I can't lie. I kind of dug it. Like, um, And I'm getting more and more excited for this, um, you know, just because I, I'm interested to see what his like true vision of this film could have been mm -hmm. uh so but yeah let's get into it uh we get a look of superman dying uh which was pretty fucking awesome um just screaming out in agony uh eventually in the trailer we get to see superman in his black suit i mean all of this is kind of extended looks of things that have been like teased you know since like dc fandom really um, and just yes. him kind of like flushing out the scenes and probably like now he's got like the updated CGI and everything at this point since, you know, the, it's supposed to come out like mid-March, right? On uh, HBO Max? Yeah, the 18th. Yeah, wow. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, uh, I love seeing Superman unleashing his fucking heat vision and rage. Um, I thought that was pretty fucking badass. I won't lie. Um, but maybe that's just the 12 year old in me. Uh, we got more. It looks like Batman's premonition is back from uh, Batman versus Superman. Yes. Because we got multiple moments with that. Um, one where the Joker is actually involved. So I'm wondering if that scene that we saw from that photo is actually in the movie. Are we getting two scenes with the Joker? Or was that just like test shots? I, I mean, that's very possible that it could have been test shots. Because he's in like just bloody so. scrubs or something. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's when he's like pulling him out of Arkham. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't mind like this new take on the Joker. It seems like that's what Jared Leto is definitely giving us here. Um, he's doing a new voice and everything. Um, Batman. I, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm here for it, right? <laughs> I love the Joker, so I'm a sucker, I guess. Uh, but yeah, we see Flash saving Iris, who was a, who was originally supposed to be in the first version of the film, but got cut. We'll see if she actually has, you know, a role in this film or if it's just kind of a glorified cameo. Um, Cyborg's look has been kind of touched up. It feels like they're going to be flushing out his storyline, which has been rumored for a while. Uh, Diana seems to be kind of like hunting down this mystery, too. 
um, you know, which I don't think we got in the original film. It's been so long since I've seen the original <laughs> that I just kind of blocked it all out. I won't lie. Uh, but I don't believe, right? She doesn't go on this like big, like Tomb Raider-esque, like hunt for like no artifacts or it's, anything. It's kind of more implied like, yeah, I did all this research. We didn't, it was more of like te told instead of show. Okay. Okay, where she like gets the full story or something. Because uh -huh. we get that big flashback scene with that big war on Earth, right? Yeah. With the lanterns and everything, which was pretty cool. That's probably like the best part of the movie. So hopefully they update something with that. But also along with, a, you know, a new look for Stefan Wolf, um, we get Darkseid. Who knows like how much he's actually in the film. Um, but he looked great. You know, I had no I problem with the look. Like I almost wish we Not could switch him out for Stefan Wolf. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're ready for Dark Side, right? <laughs> well, if this is just a one and you're done type deal, because they uh, said that they're not going to move forward with Snyder's version of Justice League, you know, then why not fucking swing for the fences? Until it makes them all the subscriptions and money. But... Well, yeah. If people rave about uh, it, I, I feel like Warner Brothers is going to go back on their word and give us more, you know, Snyder Justice League, honestly. Mm. Like, if it's a big hit and the critics love it, I feel like they'll backtrack on that fast. So real fast. Yeah. Um, not only did we get Dark Side, but we got um, the Apocalypse family in the background. That's we had Granny right. Goodness as well. And that's our first look at her cinematically. Yes. So um, yeah, I don't know how big of a role she'll have. I'm guessing it's probably just like a, a brief cameo, but yes. pretty cool, right? <laughs> I mean, fingers crossed for that Mr. Miracle, you know, re adaptation in the future. Well, <laughs> the New Gods film is still in the works mm -hmm. too, so. I doubt we'll get this version of the character in that film. I'm sure they're just, uh -huh. you know, letting them do whatever they want. Um, but, you know, still kind of cool. I don't know. I dug it. Even though that I don't love, like, Steppenwolf's look, it's still an upgrade from what we got in the original film. Like, 100%, right? Yeah, it, it definitely looks better. You know, they've had more time to do polish and stuff like that. So, I mean, as they should have taken time before. But, I mean... Yeah, it, it looks better. Yeah, for for the most part, it's got this weird like spiky armor thing going. I don't know what the <laughs> hell that's about, but I don't know. Whatever. Uh, maybe he'll use the spikes. Who knows? <laughs> as long as they like shore up like some of those major plot holes in the first film or the original film, I should say. You know where they're just like leaving the mother box laying around and shit. Um, yes. And just and make the story coherent. It could be entertaining. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's cool that we're getting this, honestly. I mean, that's the best case scenario, right? Like, worst case is that it's, you know, just a retread of what we got before. Right? That's that's all we can hope for. And it right? is what it is. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm going to try to be positive, Christian. Yes. And and I will be me as, as always. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. All right, what other trailers did we get this week? Christian, we got a trailer, finally, for Mortal Kombat. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. As Mortal Kombat. All right, so I'm not going to lie. I might have lasted a little KMFDM after watching this. Um, I thought it was pretty fucking great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the effects are perfect, but strangely, I didn't mind that. And I don't know if it's because it reminds me of the first movie, but, you know, some cheesy goodness fits this film. 
And it kind of, like, seems to toe the line between, like, you know, the movie and the games, like, capturing the yes. spirit of both. I mean, that moment when Sub-Zero, you know, shatters Jack's arms, I mean, that's all that I really needed. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I was I like hooked. the effects. I, hmm. I there's a little, there's a few though that kind of stuck out where I was like, okay, well that feels like you, someone could have made that like on their phone, but that's okay. I'm here for that. That's all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's part of the you know Mortal Kombat's charm. I feel like. Hmm. So I mean, as long as we get awesome fight scenes and like bloody fatalities, I'm in, man. Um, it was incredibly smart for them to give us like a red band trailer up front. Yes. Um, and you know what we got was you know some fucking grittiness that you know I think everyone was ho- hoping for. Um, you know, and they're definitely not going to shy away from the gore. Exactly. I mean, we're seeing things that are like shot for shot from the game and like previous stuff that they've done in the movies, but just all updated. You know, it looks really fucking good in my opinion. Well, speaking of the games, like here's a question who the fuck is cole oh yeah i i have no idea i immediately did a google search afterwards so i was like i don't think cole young is even like remotely a side character or anything like that but he feels like he's Um, gonna be like the main character right where he's got the whole birthmark and everything uh uh-huh what what i imagine is they're using cole as a kind of like you know just a vehicle to explain the world of mortal Kombat. most likely he'll end up being someone like like a johnny cage or something down the road Maybe. I mean, we've seen him um, in photos in, like, a cage fights and stuff like that, so maybe they're just going to throw in a ring name or some shit like that. Like, after the tournament, he goes on uh-huh. to, like, to Hollywood and becomes famous, you know, and it goes to his head, and that'll be, like, the whole sequel. I mean, th- that's a pretty glaring... I like, I, and I don't know why I didn't notice it before, but that was a pretty glaringly missing character from, the, you know, the roster. Because, I mean, Johnny is yeah. a big hero. He's always been... One of the main characters, and even now in the later games, he's become even a bigger. So, are you telling me this is like you know the the rise of Johnny Cage? Is that what we're watching Probably. here? <laughs> That's my guess. The so movie far. we didn't know we wanted. Um, <laughs> also, I think it's awesome that they got uh, Sami Zayn to play Kato. That's great, man. <laughs> I was like, are you, wait a minute, that's not, you're not serious. You're checking IMDb. <laughs> I know it's not really him, but there is definitely a resemblance. Uh-huh. You know, if he all of a sudden oh, does, like, it. a ska dance after a fatality, like, <laughs> we'll know it's him. Funny enough, I wouldn't put that past Kano. <laughs> <laughs> and there's definitely going to be some, like, Sub-Zero and Scorpion action. Um, you know, yes. give them a spinoff, right? <laughs> I mean, that scene alone, I think, was the one that really sold me on everything, was them fighting each other. I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean. You get you get the feel. Yeah. You get it. Yeah, superpower ninjas, like, is never a bad thing. So. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, but I love this. As long as there's some fucking 90s industrial music in here, you know, I'm sold. We'll see. We'll see. I didn't, I don't think we got enough, you know, enough score in this trailer to really make me, like, <laughs> you know, get hyped for that, but. <laughs> Give me some sister machine gun, goddammit. Alright, it's that time. It's time for some WandaVision talk. Alert. WandaVision spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Where were you hiding all these kids up till now? What? How'd you even do all this? I don't know how I did it. Are you okay? I'm fine. Uh-huh. 
All right, so this episode of WandaVision, uh, we finally got the Halloween special. Um, it's taking place in the 90s. Uh, we get a Malcolm in the Middle intro. Uh, Billy's breaking the fourth wall like Malcolm did, uh, talking directly to the camera. Uh, we see that, you know, Uncle Petro is now part of the family, uh, you know, and hijinks is ensuing. Um, uh, Wanda wants the family to spend Halloween together, especially since it's the twins' first Halloween, which is weird because they're like 10-year-olds at this point. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. But Vision is now uh, saying that he has to go on a neighborhood watch. Uh, but, you know, the real reason is because he's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in Westview. Uh, so, you know, she's not happy. You can tell there's still tension between the two of them. Uh, she mentions how much she loves his costume. Everyone's in their, like, comic book accurate, like, you know, dollar store versions of their costumes, um, which is awesome, especially Quicksilver's. Um, you know, it was cool seeing that white bolt of lightning and, you know, his hair done up and everything. Because we haven't even uh -huh. seen that in the movies. Um, but, uh... Anyway, yeah, Vision mentions, you know, well, it was the only thing in my closet, dear. So there's definitely still tension there, which only makes sense with everything that happened, you know, last episode. Um, she also almost trips up and says, you know, that's not what you're supposed to be doing when he does mention, you know, that he's going on the neighborhood that watch. That is true. That is true. So he's not following the script and she's not happy about it. But, mm. you know, somehow he's broken out of the trance. Uh, but yeah, so then they go ahead and it's Halloween night. There's finally kids in Westview, um, which they don't really explain how or why. But uh, they're out trick-or-treating. She's quizzing Pedro. Um, you could tell she feels like something is off. Um, he calls her out on it right away. Um, a lot of people are speculating that this isn't Pedro, that this is, you know, maybe Mephisto. Christian, how do you feel about that theory? I mean, personally, I think if if Mephisto's involved at this point, I feel like he's within almost everyone in some type of way. I feel like it, he can just spawn as a different character whatever time. Like, maybe he's in Agnes and and Quicksilver at the same time. Like, who knows what he's up yeah, to Yeah, I mean, at this he's, point. The, he's the fucking <laughs> devil, right? Exactly. He can possess people. We know that. So, I mean, he's definitely pulling strings here. I think if he is in the show, it feels like he's exactly. behind the scenes manipulating things and, you know, using mm. all these characters as his puppets. Th that only makes sense. Yeah, there's a few little nods, you know, in in the dialogue, it feels like, to Mephisto. Everyone's kind of, like, circling the wagons around. Um, you know, he says something about the boys being Hellspawns, um, which, you know, makes sense for that storyline, especially in the comic book, since mm -hmm. Mephisto had something to do with their birth. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I do feel like they're throwing us some red herrings, though, honestly. So, we'll see, though. You know, who knows? I'm hoping still that this is, you know, the X-Men version, the Fox version of Quicksilver. And it, this is a multiverse character who's come here. Um, the only thing that's throwing me off is the fact that he seems to understand that Wanda's doing all this. So, mm -hmm. you know, and it does feel like he's kind of playing, you know, mind games with her back and forth. So, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's a, a case of Mephisto, you know, using him as kind of a puppet and everything. So, because he is kind of antagonizing her, you know, here and there. Yeah. So, um, they do a little flashback scene with them as kids. Um, he's dressed up as Nick Fury and she's dressed up as Black Widow. So I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, but yeah, so, but moving on, Vision's exploring the town. Um, you know, he goes to the very outer rims and it feels like, you know, her power or whatever power is doing all this, um, 
only goes so far because those, you know, characters on the outer rim are just going through the motions. And it's pretty fucking creepy. You know, you got the one woman, you know, hanging up the decorations over and over again. And there's like a single tear coming down her cheek. Yeah. Um, and then he runs into Agnes, who's also in that trance. Um, you know, he wakes her up. She mentions, you know, oh, my God, you're here. You know, are the rest of the Avengers here? I'm paraphrasing. Um, and then, you know, your vision and, you know, and, and you're dead. <laughs> so that throws him for a loop. He has no clue who the Avengers are. So, so he has very little memory outside of this pocket reality. Um, yeah. You know, uh, sh- you know, he zaps her back and then he goes on investigating. We also got another clue towards your theory about her being the witness protection person uh, with, uh, you know, him asking her, how did you get lost in your own, your own hometown? Oh, and, you know, I didn't even catch that. That that, mm-hmm. that that is a good clue, right? So maybe she is the one that's, you know, in the witness protection, you know, uh, program that Jimmy Woo's talking about. So, yeah. but speaking of Jimmy Woo, um, him, Monica, and Darcy um, get into a confrontation with Hayward after, you know, he tried to attack Wanda with that drone armed with a missile. Um, you know, he kicks them off the, you know, the sword base. Uh, they sneak back in, they hack into his computer, and they find out that he's been tracking Vision using his, like, Vibranium um, signature. So that was a nice little tidbit. It makes you think, okay, he's got something else in store probably for Vision. I mean, mm-hmm. that seems obvious with, you know, what he was doing with his body. He was all in pieces, you know, the episode before in that flashback scene. So a lot of people are wondering, like, is he trying to build a, his own weapon, you know, or use, you know, weaponized vision somehow? A lot of people were, like, pointing towards Senators. I feel like that might be a leap too far, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I, I will say Hayward is gone, like, villain, like, pretty hardcore, really, really <laughs> fast. Because, I mean, you could tell there was, like, some tension between him and Monica in that first episode that they were introduced in. But it seemed like they were still friendly. But now he's just a fucking douchebag, right? I I at least liked his reasoning during that scene where he's explaining, like, you weren't here during the five years. You weren't you didn't know what it took to keep the lights on and stuff like that. I, I, I enjoyed that they're fleshing it out. I still don't more. understand, like, why you don't call it an Avenger, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the first thing you do is pick up the phone and call in, like, Hulk or whoever is at Avengers headquarters. You know, especially if Wanda and Vision are involved. Exactly. So, I mean, to me, that points to him not wanting the Avengers involvement at all. You know, because he's mm-hmm. up to something. So, uh, but we'll see, right? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Vision finally gets to the wall uh he starts to break through it it's fucking brutal he's in pain he's being torn apart um darcy's on the other side you know screaming for the sword agents to help him uh billy senses it his powers kick in and obviously he has wanda's you know powers it seems like or some version of that um and he Mm -hmm. tells his mom i don't know why wanda couldn't sense that though you would think that she would be connected to him too, but apparently not. No, yeah, it, it just seemed to be. I guess they just wanted a way to bring out um, Billy's telekinetic abilities. I guess, and he, some way, I mean, he but... stops, um, you know, Tommy while he's running too mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he's he's obviously got some chaos magic in him. Uh, but yeah, she starts expanding the wall, you know, to save Vision, but then it also ends up, you know, engulfing the other sword agents. Hayward's able to escape. 
So does uh, Jimmy and Monica. They're in a car uh, driving away, and they see the wall expanding. Mm. Like, at this point, you've got to call yeah. the Avengers in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll see who they're going to actually bring in, because, I mean, we do know that Monica's heading out to see whoever her contact is. You know, maybe it's an Avenger, maybe it's someone else. You know, there's yeah. lots of people, you know, speculating Reed Richards, but we'll see. And it's a contact who can get her back through the barrier somehow. Yeah. So they've got skills or powers for that matter. So Darcy does warn Monica also, though, that, you know, she can see her uh, tests from the lab work. It's on Hayward's computer and that her uh, Monica's DNA has been changing uh, since she's gone through the barrier twice. Um, and that it could be, you know, uh, deadly if she goes in a third time or they don't know what the hell could happen to her. So, but, you know, Monica, you know, is willing to fight for Wanda and she understands what she's going through. We know that the sword agents and Darcy, for that matter, uh, look like they're part of the circus and, you know, this pocket reality now. Mm. Um, so there's circus tents and everything. A helicopter that's flying off becomes a fucking hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, we'll see what hijinks ensues when it comes to that. What did you think about the commercial this week? Um, I really was trying to like piece together what it meant this week. This was the first one where I was kind of like clueless. Um, it, it, to me, it felt like, you know, because I think the the yogurt or the snack is called Yo Magic, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was trying to say that like no matter how much magic you use, you're not going to be able to satisfy or you know help your grief. Um, because, like, the kid's not able, like, he has the Yo Magic, but he's not able to open it yes. up. Um, and he ends up dying anyway. So that's kind of what I was putting together with that, but I could be completely fucking wrong. <laughs> um, I've been seeing people speculate that someone might be feeding off of her magic, and that's why they're using her to, like, you know, do all this stuff in the town and have her own reality. But and then, that's kind of what the commercial was, you know, angling off is that it's someone feeding on, you know, her and then in Wanda can't like was the kid representing Wanda or yeah. someone else? Okay. Because I mean at the end the shark takes the thing is like you can never get your magic or some shit like that. I'm so glad that those commercials don't exist anymore. Those that that claymation used to creep me out as a kid. <laughs> oh really? I love that yeah. shit, especially during the holidays. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, like all the commercials, you know, made sense. It seemed like it was kind of like a nod to like, you know, some tragedy in Wanda's past. But I don't, this was the one that just, I don't, threw me for a loop. I just think, you know, if especially if it's like something with like a deal with the devil type of scenario, usually the devil gets something out of it in return, right? So maybe it's like he need, they need their, her power in some way. So you think Wanda made a deal with the devil? Yeah. Okay. Like, like maybe unknowingly, perhaps, or maybe she was that far gone at that point, you know, that it just didn't matter to her anymore. So, which I mean, that character's gone through a lot, so (laughs) who could really blame her? Well, I guess we'll find out soon. I'm hearing rumors that the next three episodes are actually going to be like an hour long. Nice. That'd be fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, God knows I sit there like after the, each episode ends, you know, and through the entire 10 minute credits, hoping to squeeze out like another moment of WandaVision, uh-huh. hoping to get like a little <laughs> Easter egg at the end, like a sucker. And there's never anything. I'm sure it'll be like the last episode where we'll get a little tease towards, you know, whatever, exactly. whatever's next happening in the MCU. 
So. You're, I'm sure you're not alone, Damon. I still sit through them too. So they're they're because they're like movie like like credits. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> they're definitely like not TV credits. Um, you know. So, but anyway, but we'll be back next week talking the latest episode of WandaVision. Well, all right, Damon. What movie did you see this week? Uh, I saw A24's latest horror film, Saint Maud. Bless Amanda's body, and bless her mind, which is shrouded in darkness. When you pray, do you get a response? It's like he's physically in me. It's how he guides me. He's just there. He's everywhere. St. Maud follows a pious nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. This was written and directed by Rose Glass and stars Morphin Clark and Jennifer L. First of all, this is going to be a difficult film to review because I feel the need to just avoid spoilers at all costs. So I'm going to be super cryptic here, so forgive me. But I feel like St. Maud is the kind of film you just need to experience firsthand. Uh, Also, if you haven't seen the trailer, just avoid it. (laughs) Go into it blind. I think it will make for more of an enjoyable viewing. Uh, Not that you can't enjoy it, like, you know, with seeing the trailer, but... You know, for my personal taste, I think it shows a little too much. So anyway, tread lightly, slight spoilers ahead. So St. Maud originally was supposed to be released last year till the pandemic just made that impossible. Uh, It was one of my more anticipated films of 2020, though. And, you know, not just because of the truly effective trailer that we just talked about, but also because it was underneath the A24 banner. Uh, You know, the people who are responsible for bringing you such provocative arthouse horror films as The Lighthouse, Hereditary, Midsummer, Green Room, and so on. I mean, literally some of my favorite movies of the past, like, couple years. And for the most part, St. Maud does its best to live up to that A24 pedigree. For the most part. Um, Maud, played by Morfred Clark, is a newly devout hospice nurse with a sordid past who becomes obsessed with saving the soul of her patient Amanda, played by Jennifer L. Amanda's a former dancer and a minor celeb who plans on living her what's left of her life to the fullest. Uh, the film is the impressive debut of director Rose Glass, whose talent is on full display here. Uh, she's crafted a really engrossing psychological horror film that doesn't rely on your typical tropes of the genre. Instead, she invests in a slow burn storytelling style that's hinged more on like atmosphere than jump scares, and I completely applaud that. She manages to build tension throughout the film as it crescendos with a brutal bloody third act. Um, Clark gives a subtle yet powerful performance as Maud, saying little but still being able to convey a sort of melancholy that seeps through every frame she's in. And it really just helps set this tone of overwhelming dread that permeates throughout the movie. This is all aided by some fantastic cinematography and uh, Glass's expert use of lighting and sound. And also, with this being only her first film, you can tell she has a real talent for visual storytelling. I mean, I wish every director had her eye. Also, I love the way they use the score in this film. At first, you know, for the first half of the movie, really, it's very quiet. But then about halfway through, it starts to morph and become almost the voice in Maud's head, like communicating with her and the audience. I thought it was a bold choice that added another layer of impending doom to the film. And now with all that praise being said, 
I did leave the film, unfortunately, feeling kind of unsatisfied. While the movie is unsettling and definitely worth seeing, um, it never hit that sweet spot for me as a horror fan and really like burrow itself underneath my skin. I, I felt like the story was just stretched a little too thin and at times it felt more style over substance. Without giving too much away, I wish Glass would have subverted like our expectations and gave us something more, I don't know, open to free interpretation. Uh, there's never a moment that had me like really questioning exactly what was happening to Maud, except for like one chilling scene that's really well done in the third act, but unfortunately was fleeting at best. I wish there were more moments like that sprinkled throughout the film that left the story a little more open-ended. Also, another missing puzzle piece for me is I wish we would have gotten to know Maud better, maybe in a flashback scene before this chapter in her life. I mean, I think this would allow us to like sympathize with the character more and really connect to her, you know, and making this story even more heartbreaking at the same time. But I digress. Um, with all that being said, I do feel like St. Maud is worth a watch, um, especially for horror movie fans. And I feel like director Rose Glass has a real bright future ahead of her. Um, and hopefully it's within the genre. Well, all right, David, what grade would you give this? So I'm going to give St. Maud a solid B. Um, it's a good horror film that just need to be injected with a little more story to really hit its mark. So, Christian, you also saw a movie this week. That's right. I saw Judas and the Black Messiah. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. Offered a plea deal by the FBI, William O'Neill infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party to gather intelligence on Chairman Fred Hampton. All right, so this film is written and directed by Shaka King. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and Jesse Plemons. Talk about a film and story that easily resonates with current times as Judas and the Black Messiah takes inspiration from real-life events that transpired during the late 1960s with Illinois' chapter of the Black Panther Party. Following the death of Martin Luther King, we meet an emboldened FBI task force looking to preemptively snuff out what they would call the next Black Messiah. Jesse Plemons' character is uh, Roy Mitchell, an FBI agent that kind of gets the idea of recruiting an informant to get on the inside of the Black Panther Party. Enter William O'Neill, as played by Lakeith Stanfield. In a tough spot and not really on any particular side when it comes to civil rights, O'Neill accepts a plea deal and is instructed to get close to the current leader of the Illinois chapter, Fred Hampton, as played by Daniel Kaluuya. This dramatization of real life events takes on the idea of betrayal on multiple fronts and almost quite literally gives us the story of Judas. Um, the portrayal of Fred Hampton is handled very well as Kaluuya um, really got into his character and delivered a stunning performance. However, our Judas of the story seemed to be a bit more of a struggle. Personally, I am a fan of Lakeith Stanfield, but I'm not sure if it was the script or his performance that brought down this very key character in the film. As we learn by the end of the film of what happened to the real William O'Neill, the weight of his choices really laid heavy on him. And I'm not sure that the, you know, duality of this portrayal did that justice. I definitely thought more could have been, you know, brought to this character. 
but at the same time, I'm not sure how close to the facts this film tried to be with him. Film-wise, the cinematography was good, but not great. Nothing I wouldn't expect from the average film-going experience, and I think that judgment comes even harsher after, you know, watching just how well shot Malcolm and Marie was, for just how limited they were. That's not as if I'm comparing the two films, just a frame of reference from where I'm coming from. There was never a moment I was necessarily taken aback by just how well done a shot was. Um, at the end of the day, this film rests on its fantastic story from real life events, um, with some great performances and moments, and as I enjoyed this now, I can imagine enjoying taking in this movie as a teen for a history paper. Alright Christian, what grade would you give this film? Um, grade-wise, I would say I left this movie kind of like feeling like it had been an above-average experience with a great story, but nothing that necessarily wowed me. And so for that, I'm going to be giving it a B plus. In the not-too-distant future, following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Rate, review, and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. This past week in gaming, we got the return of BlizzCon and Nintendo Direct as we push forward into 2021, getting glimpses of the future of gaming. As far as Nintendo goes, it looks like more of the same. In my opinion, Nintendo Direct was pretty lackluster, but that's simply because they are not ready to show off what big projects they have coming. At the end of the day, it's important that these dev teams you know, get as much time as they can to work on a game. However, it's unfortunate that this year marks the anniversaries for two big Nintendo franchises, as this Sunday, February 21st, is the 35th anniversary of Zelda, and Metroid Prime's 35th anniversary is coming this summer on August 6th. Many fans expected big announcements for both with this Direct, as we are aware of A Breath of the Wild 2 as it was shown off at E3 2019. Plus, Metroid's next game was also announced in 2017. While those were, you know, big missing games from this Direct, we did get a little bit of Zelda news with the announcement of Skyward Sword coming to the Switch July 16th. Skyward Sword met quite a few challenges with its release on the Wii back in the day, but I honestly think it will run great on Switch, and was happy to see its control options updated for both motion and joystick control um, of Link's Sword and Shield. The additional power of the Switch may make this the game it very well intended to be when it first launched. 
Beyond that, we're given plenty of teasers and trailers for upcoming games. The next Monster Hunter looks pretty damn good, and I'm especially interested in Zynga's Star Wars Hunters. I assume we will be seeing, you know, many small Nintendo Directs throughout the year and with hopefully more info to come. Um, in the meantime, you know, you could always get good at your golf swing in Mario Golf, I guess. Um, or hey, come watch me on Twitch. This weekend, we started another movie game in Scarface for PS2 and continued our adventure in Scott Pilgrim and The Witcher 3. Make sure to join us live Thursday through Sunday at 12 noon central time, or if you can't make the stream, check us out on YouTube where you can catch all of our replays. All right, now on to wrestling. You see, on Sunday, you offered me your hand, and I knew, I knew I shouldn't have accepted it, but I did, and we all saw what happened. So you want to come out here and talk about trust? Hey, All right, Christian, uh, this past weekend, we had another NXT TakeOver, uh, Vengeance Day. Yeah. What was your overall thoughts about the card? You know, it was pretty decent. You know, overall, I, I enjoyed each match. I mean, there's a couple moments here and there, uh, but I don't think that's anything on the wrestlers. I think, uh, you know, besides maybe the MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans, I thought there there could be a little bit cleaner spots here and there, but everything was still enjoyable for the most part. And I, I can say I enjoyed a WWE pay-per-view, even though they're coming at us at lightning speed with pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view. That's right. We got one this weekend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Elimination Chamber. Um, I Ooh. also enjoyed the card quite a bit. Um, In between the ropes, it was, I mean, just everyone busted their asses. It was great work. Um. I just wish I was more invested in the storylines. Yes. Um, I'm definitely not up to date on the product. I mean, I catch shows here and there, um, especially like right before the pay-per-view. I try to do a lot of catching up. But, you know, right now I'm just, I don't know. The storylines are lackluster to me, but that's more of a booking problem. I mean, it's not the wrestlers' faults because they're busting their asses mm -hmm. out there. So uh, let's get into the card. Oh, well, first up, we had Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeating Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic for the women's finals. And you know what? The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic has been actually part of the problem for me as a viewer over the past like month or so, because every time I turn on NXT or start to watch it, it's all these like, you know, tournament matches where I don't even know half the teams. I don't know mm. their motivations. I don't know what's going on. It just feels like matches for match sake. And especially since they have a women's, you know, uh, tournament going on and a men's tournament going on at the same time. So I, I think that's been part of my, you know, issue over the last month or so. But I mean, honestly, I won't lie that, it's been an issue for quite a while. So, um, but anyway, I thought this match was pretty damn good, even though it lacked like any psychology whatsoever. Uh, I thought like everything that they did, cause they were just doing moves on top of moves on top of moves, but they, it all flowed. It all worked. So, um, you know, I thought it was well done. I was excited to see Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai win. It felt like they were the baby faces for some reason, which was weird. Unless I miss something, they're still the heel tag team. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when they go up against uh, Baszler and Nia Jax. Was it just because they were on the ropes more often than you? It than just the other felt team, like or? they were like fighting from underneath a lot. Yeah, they were kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, their backs were against the wall a lot of the time. So, um, and poor Ember Moon. I feel like she hasn't caught a break since she's like come back. 
You know, I no. want to see them like really, you know, I don't know, spotlight her more. And she's so talented. But I understand you're trying to build a new superstar with Raquel Gonzalez and everything. So I get why they won. It just, I don't know, the psychology just felt weird to me because, like, like I said, it felt like they were the babyface team. You know, uh, just the way it was bucked. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they're planning on turning them soon. Um, hmm. And like I said, I haven't been that invested in the show lately. <laughs> so maybe I'm just missing a piece of the puzzle here. I, you know, I do know that the product is trying to, you know, boost Gonzalez. So I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised that, you know, she wasn't featured that much in the match overall. Mm. Like, it really was just like Ember Moon, Shotzi Blackheart going up against Dakota Kai for like a good... 70 percent of the match and it felt like they were like i don't know and i mean it's just good like tag team psychology i mm-hmm. guess to like pick on the weaker link but it was so much so that it felt like once again that they were the heels <laughs> yeah so i don't know i don't know but anyway uh let's move on yeah we had johnny gargano defeating kushida for the nxt north american championship awesome match i was super disappointed that kushida didn't win um once again like you know, what happened in between the ropes was great, but the booking didn't make any sense to me. Johnny's family gets taken out by Dexter Loomis before the match. So that feels like that's going to be something that comes into play here. So I was starting to believe that Kushida could actually win the match. Um, but then it, I don't know, it just didn't really matter. And it was weird to me because Johnny just was being like, you know, Johnny wrestling again, it felt like in the match. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, he wasn't like, it didn't feel like he was playing the heel at all. You know, he was Johnny Takeover, um, which is weird because leading up to this match, he was, you know, being his like superstitious, you know, crazy heel self where like he didn't want anyone to say Kushida's name around him. So he acted like he was kind of scared of him. But then once the bell rang, I don't know, that was all forgotten and they just put on a really good match. (laughs) So I, I feel like the booking is letting down like, you know, the wrestling inside the ring, you know, here. Um, which is kind of disappointing. But, I mean, the guys are shining no matter what. It just shows you how talented they are. I mean, for all intensive purposes, this was a dream-style match. I mean, these two are perfect in the ring together. Uh, but, yeah, as you said, that I mean, it felt like I was watching two faces go at it. Yeah. I, I didn't see anything from Gargano, who's been putting so much into this character, you know, really shine in the match. And there was nothing that really went into yeah, it. Yeah, it just felt odd to me. And maybe, maybe mm-hmm. once again, maybe I missed something. But, you know, like, because it felt like he was about to turn face almost. Like, okay, well, they've got, you know, baby face plans for this guy in the future. But we know from everything that happened before the match that he's probably going to be facing off against Dexter Loomis. You know, and God forbid Uh, he ends up (laughs) dropping the fucking belt to like that, like, you know, paint drying on two legs. Like, I can't I can't handle (laughs) any more Dexter Loomis matches, man. (laughs) I I think it's actually going to. Oh, God. uh, (laughs) uh, I I will say I I did think the match could have been 10 minutes shorter. I thought it was a little too long. Really? I I don't know. I enjoyed it. Maybe five minutes shorter, but I, I enjoyed it overall. So. Um, I just want them, once again, like Ember Moon, I want them to give fucking Kushida, like, his just due. Uh-huh. I mean, at least he was on the card this time. Because it feels like a lot of these takeovers he's just kind of forgotten about. You know, I feel like he should just be a bigger deal than he is. Next we had MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans for the Dusty Rhodes Classic. Um, winners being MSK. Now, you said that there were some spots that you felt were, like, kind of sloppy in this match? It's not... You could tell that they were hesitating. 
You know, there was mo- like tons of moments with MSK for me where I could f- like there's just like moments where it didn't feel as fluid when they're doing all these like high spots and stuff like that. And you can see them kind of just stopping to think about it for a second. You think it was like the transitions? Know. Yeah, the transitions were a little rough. But I mean, overall, by the end of the match, you know, they got into their groove. But that, that first like, I don't know, good five to ten minutes you could really see them hesitate. Really? See, I didn't pick up on any of that. I thought these guys really clicked well together. Um, and I really enjoyed the, the the match. And I was totally sold on MSK. I was like, these guys are fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that fucking dive that Wesley does over the fucking uh, corner uh, uh, post was uh. just, I mean, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was a great match. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a good payoff. For, you know, the Dusty Rhodes, you know, uh, final. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, at first when I saw the match, I was like, grizzled young veterans. Why are they getting pushed? <laughs> like, what the hell? But, I mean, they really carried their own, too, in this match. Mm. You know, um, I was impressed with them also. So, I hadn't remembered them from last year. I didn't realize that they got to the finals back then as well. Yeah, no, I was really expecting uh, Ciampa and uh, Mark. Yes. Uh, Champa and uh, Timothy Thatcher. I'm gonna start again with the grizzled young vets. Sure. I also thought the grizzled young vets were great too, um, and I was kind of confused on why they were in the finals and how they made it in the finals instead of Champa mm-hmm. and um, Timothy Thatcher because I thought that was a shoe in there. Um, but I mean, I- I'm glad they did, they did because I mean, they showed me like, Hey, they could fucking work <laughs> and they have the right to be there. So, um, hopefully these guys get to meet again. Uh, but it seems like they got big plans in store for MSK. Yes. Um, up next we had Io Shirai versus Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm in a triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. EO, of course, retaining her title. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of my problems with the card, and one of my only problems with the card, was the fact that I didn't feel like any of the, like, champions were really in any threat of losing their titles. Yes. You know, besides Gargano, and that happened, like, halfway through the match, because before the match I was like, oh, yeah, he's totally, you know, retaining. Um, You know, Balor, EO, you know, Johnny, I, I just felt like they were shooing to win. So, and I feel like that's been the case a lot with a lot of the takeover shows lately. They feel very like predictable. I mean, the matches are all great in between the ropes, but I feel like the outcomes, I don't know, you could kind of book it yourself. And there's nothing wrong with like the stories being predictable, but I mean, there's nothing wrong also with like some twists and turns here and there. Yes. So, um, but yeah, no, EO definitely retained. It feels like, you know, since Mercedes took the pin here, that we're going to get a program between EO and Tony um, coming up, which I'm fine with. Um, I wish it it just started off that way. You know, I didn't feel like we need to have this through way to start, you know, <laughs> to start the program off between the two. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because I feel bad for Mercedes. Like, she could be doing something else in the meantime, because she's fucking awesome, too. Um, the match was good. Um, it wasn't the best EO match I've seen, though. Um, you know, we had some mishaps. <laughs> the table just broke on them. <laughs> yeah (laughs) when tony just touched the fucking thing uh that was unfortunate uh they played it off well though i mean it is what it is Mm. it's gonna happen once in a while so Uh, wade barrett had a great line 
like trying to save like the moment saying that he could tell that the table was weakened during the uh, Gargano match. So ah. <laughs> I believe that's what he said. So he tried his best line, to though. save it, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, overall, it was a good match. Um, it felt like they were short on time, though, like twelve minutes for a three-way I mean, like that. Yeah, it kind of started off with that rush too. Like they just started fighting, and I was like, "Oh, maybe they're running low on time." I don't know. Like it definitely felt a little weird from the get-go. Yeah, so maybe one of the matches beforehand went too long. I mean. I mean, you mentioned uh, the Gar- you, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned the Johnny Johnny Gargano match. I mean, it did go twenty five minutes. So, but uh, I don't know. I mean, but it doesn't make any sense because they still went under the usual like you know takeover you know allotted time because I feel like that's yeah. about like what like two and a half hours or so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's only a five you know match card. So I can't imagine that being the deal here. But it just feels like they deserved more time. You know, um, originally I was going to ask because you you usually keep up with NXT a little bit better than I have. Not uh, this month. If like <laughs> I, I I know if they're like actually putting over Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm on the actual show because just like as you said, I I didn't imagine either of them really going over EO at this pay per view. I don't know if they're actually pushing either of these two stars to where they you know could be. Um, they made a big deal about Mercedes uh, coming back. Because she mm-hmm. was part of Retribution for a short period of time. I don't know if you remember that. But, uh, and then, uh, I feel like they've been pushing more Tony, you know, as, like, the serious contender for the, the belt. But, I don't know. I don't know. None of them, neither of them felt like they were going to win this match, you know, yeah. from what I saw. So, and like I said, I've only been watching pretty much highlights here and there, you know, catching moments um, on NXT. Uh, would you want to see EO go up anytime soon? No. I don't want to see any <laughs> any of the NXT wrestlers go to the main roster. Uh-huh. Why would I? Like, I mean, it's good for them because they're going to be getting a bigger salary going up there. But, mm. I mean, creatively, it's it's a nightmare. Why would I want to see anyone pushed up there? Like, what have yeah. they done lately to show me that I could trust them with, you know, this talent? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Yeah, and it's worse than ever. It really is. I mean, we haven't seen Aleister Black in months, and the same with Andrade. Vince just doesn't see anything in them. And they're both real talented. I heard that they were going to do like some recharactering for Aleister. I don't know. I have no idea. Like a repackaging? I have no yeah. clue. What is that going to look like? I have no idea. <laughs> they probably just want to get rid of his song. Yeah. Well, so. they did get rid of his song. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's horrible. Uh, but all right, let, let's move on. I'm not going to complain about the main roster. We're, we're here to talk NXT, goddammit. Well, something else that was also good on this card was Finn Balor versus Pete oh, Dunne. Wait a second. Don't forget about Cameron oh, yeah? Grimes. <laughs> uh, sure. His video, oh my God. That was magic. <laughs> I loved it. He's the only character on the show that I'm invested in. I love everything the guy does. He's super entertaining. Speaking of the main roster, he's totally going to be chasing our truth for the 24-7 title. You oh, know, yeah. once, like, Vince gets a load of this guy, like, I mean, he's, he, oh, my God, he's going to really sink his teeth into him because he's he's going to love just his whole act. I mean, the fact that he's, like, what, what he got the money from the whole GameStop debacle um, and the mm. fact that he did a whole music video about it, I, I thought it was fantastic. What's there not to yeah. love about Cameron Grimes, Christian? <laughs> I I don't know, man. I just don't like the guy. It's, I'm 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 just being and a mark, a good, you know. He's a good worker too. On top of that, uh-huh. that's a problem. <laughs> I just don't like. He's the, the guy. only one me. I feel like they let 
like have a real personality at times. I mean, you're talking to the guy that complains about, you know, Tanahashi and Kushida like all the time. So <laughs> Yeah, but Cameron Grimes is the exact opposite. True. <laughs> so I don't know what your problem is. Anyway. They also showed us a recap of the pre-show. Uh Eli Drake has signed with NXT. Um, he's a super talented guy, great on the mic, solid worker. Uh, I just get strong like EC3 vibes, though, <laughs> when it mm. comes to him in the WWE, you know, because I mean, I said with EC3, I was like, this guy, you can't miss with him. Like Vince is going to fucking eat this guy up. Um, I feel the same way about Eli Drake. I, even with that stupid fucking name, uh, LA Knights, I believe. Right. That's what they're calling him now. Um, uh-huh. But God damn it. I, I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like he fits necessarily with NXT for some reason. And I feel like he'll get called up to the WWE, you know, main roster, and then they'll just forget about him. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I've got no no hope whatsoever for him, I guess. But, you know, I'm I'm sure it'll be entertaining to watch him crash and burn. You know, <laughs> po- possible pawn of Roman Reigns. Think of it No, that. no. That's as high as you get. Oh, nowadays. God. <laughs> he'll be chasing after the 24 7 title too oh yeah along with cameron grimes <laughs> but at least cameron grimes will get like talking parts i'm you know with with our truth well fucking i'm telling you eli drake can talk so um mm. but yeah i don't know hopefully i'm wrong all right again finn balor versus pete dunn was our final match of the night with finn balor retaining his championship I mean, this match was everything that we expected. I mean, great mm-hmm. fucking mat work. Um, these guys flowed really well together. Um, well paced. I mean, it went 25 minutes, but it felt like it was only 10. Um, these yes. guys are a pretty even match in the ring. I mean, just they're both styles are so vicious right now. Um, it was a fun match. I really got into it. So, but once again, there wasn't a second where I believed Pete Dunne was going to win this match. Yeah, you know, that's my problem yeah, with the bucket. I guess like if I if I went into this blind, not knowing like what they're doing with Balor, maybe maybe I could have believed, you know, Pete Dunne, you know, you know, they got the tag titles in their group and stuff like that. Maybe they could go for some, you know, faction all gold. But yeah, it, as you said, I didn't believe Pete Dunne was going to win this match. No, no, not at all. So it definitely feels like uh, they're headed towards a uh, TikTok guy. What's his name? Carrying Cross, sorry. Yeah, Cross. No worries. <laughs> so, and I'm surprised he wasn't on the card. Honestly, yeah, he didn't even make an appearance. Yeah, yeah. So, but it definitely feels like that's going to be probably like the next takeover. I could be wrong, but, um, but yeah, at the end of the match, uh, we actually have something that now I'm excited for to see play out on NXT TV. Uh, Adam Cole turns on Finn and uh, Kyle O'Reilly. So yes. we finally got that moment that we've been predicting for like the last four months. <laughs> um, but, you know, it seems like Undisputed might be no more. Uh, where do you think they head with the storyline, Christian? Well, I think it'll first probably land as a triple threat. Maybe someone will take the title off of Balor. I don't know if it would be Kyle O'Reilly or um, Adam Cole, but I think either one of them would. I feel like Kyle O'Reilly and Finn are probably going to team up against Adam Cole and probably Roderick Strong if he if he like sides with him um I'm wondering if you know uh Adam Cole joins you know Pete Dunne and company especially with his history with Pat McAfee mm-hmm. so but I, I don't know I'm guessing that Adam Cole starts the feud off with Kyle O'Reilly you know since you know you got that 
you know, history with the faction and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe eventually he gets to Finn Balor, but I think Balor is going to face off with, um, with Karrion Cross next. That's my prediction, yeah, at least. Makes sense. You know, yeah. at least for like the WrestleMania takeover, which I'm not even mm-hmm. sure they're doing. I think it's the weekend before now. Oh, okay. Well, they do the. I, it's two two nights. WrestleMania is two nights this week or this uh, year. They could do it Friday, make it a big special. I think long they're going to do the Hall of Fame. It's going to do it Thursday. <laughs> you know they like to do that whole like Jesus it's WrestleMania Christ, week. I hope they don't do it fucking Thursday. It's going to be a long week. <laughs> So, but uh, overall, Christian, how many stars would you give this show? I think I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give it a four. You know, I think it was very enjoyable. Uh, you know, it, there's definitely things that could make it better to make it a five, but at, right now, I think it's a solid four for enjoyment. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four too. Um, I think I would have actually given it more stars if it wasn't for just the booking outside of the ring. Yes. Um, but I did <laughs> enjoy the angle that they ended with. So yes. um, it took them a long time to get there, but we're finally here. Um, and hopefully I'll start watching some more NXT TV. It's super kicks that, you know, sell TV, man. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next Oh, uh, We're going to be reviewing Nick Cage's newest horror film, Willy's Wonderland. Well, hey, speaking of cages, we're also going to be talking Elimination Chamber, man. Yeah. Get hyped. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish it was as... They don't even put the fucking, like, old-school footage of people bleeding in the, like, previews for it anymore now. They can't do blood, man. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just disappointing. They don't bleed in the anyway, match anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> be false advertisement. There's going to be plenty of blood in Willy's Wonderland, though, for you, so... Sweet. I'll definitely check it out. All right. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. It doesn't need you.